You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Church family, welcome back to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I appreciate you joining us today, and I hope that you're encouraged. So this Sunday, we launched a new sermon series, We Believe. We're going to be talking about theology together as a church family so that we can fall in love with God again. Our goal is to be amazed at the magnitude and the wonder of the God that we're committed to. And this week in our podcast, we're going to use episodes to encourage you by helping us think about God in different ways. Well, my guest today is my friend, Will Wall. Will is our strategist for the Pine Belt Baptist Mission Association. He serves our church family by coordinating the network of all of our local Southern Baptist churches for missions and for church health. So, Will, thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks, Ben. Great to be here. Man, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, I told everybody yesterday who was listening that one of the reasons I really wanted you in the room this week is because when I'm talking about theology, I go back to those first theology classrooms for me uh, when I went to New Orleans Seminary and I sat in Dr. Stan Norman and Dr. Bob Stewart's classrooms and I looked over my shoulder and there was Will Wall. So 21 years uh, we've been studying theology together in some form or fashion and it just seemed right to me that you'd be in the room today. So uh, tip of the hat today to Dr. Stan Norman and Dr. Bob Stewart and so many other guys that have uh, invested in our lives. But Will, thanks for being with us. My pleasure. All right, man. So our topic today is the holiness of God. And uh, I want to define holiness, and then you're going to share a story with us from the Old Testament Scripture that will be encouraging to our church. So holiness, simply defined, is something that is set apart from sin and for the glory of God. Um, One silly example of what that might look like is that when God had instructions for the building of the tabernacle, all the things that were used in the tabernacle were supposed to be set apart from common use. They were set apart for the Lord. So here's an example. The spoons that were used or the forks that were used for the offerings for the priests to use. Um, they couldn't use those to eat their lucky charms in the morning. They, they could not use those you know, uh, for chilly night. The only thing those spoons could be used for was for participation in the sacrificial service in the house of the Lord because those spoons were fully devoted to the Lord. So to be holy means that you are set apart. You're not common. You're away from sin and set apart for the glory of God. So today we're going to talk about God being bound for his own glory and separate from sin. So let's talk about this. This is one of the qualities of God that he allows us to share in, uh, that he allows us to share in his holiness, that we can be set apart from sin and set apart for his glory. But let's begin in the beginning. Let's start in the Old Testament with the story that you brought that shows us front and center how serious and glorious the holiness of God is. So Will, what did you bring today? Yeah, so this is a story from 2 Samuel chapter 6, and okay. it, it's one that I've been looking at Honestly, probably since our, our theology days, um, 1998, back in at New Orleans Seminary. And uh, it's not the beginning of God's holiness, obviously, because right he's eternal. Um, but it's it's one that shows us a great example of it. So David has become king you know, the, uh, of all of Israel. Uh, he's wanting to set up um, within his city, the city of David, Jerusalem. He's wanting to set up. Well, he's desiring to build a temple, a place for God. Uh, but in doing so, he needs to bring the Ark of the Covenant, which, which is a representation. It is a physical manifestation. Station of the rep- in the representation of the presence of God uh, to Jerusalem, and so he sends some guys over to, uh, to get it. It's been in in the hands of the pagans and the uh, Philistines. The, about it. Yeah, yeah. The, the 
those Philistines, they've had the Ark of the Covenant, and uh, so he sends them to get it. They put it on a cart and start bringing it back, and, um, you know, it goes wrong from there. Okay, so the Ark of the Covenant was on a cart. Yeah. And what I want to educate everybody on really quickly is that in the book of Exodus, when God struck his covenant with Israel, he gave the Ten Commandments. They all agreed, we want you to be our God. We want to be your people. We're going to, we're going to follow your commands. And then he began to tell them exactly what he wanted uh, his worship to look like. He told, this is how I want the tabernacle to look. These are the feasts. This is, these are the days that you come for worship. So God lays out very meticulously uh, how he wants to be worshiped, even to the point that he tells them the dimensions and descriptions for how things should be built that would be part of the tabernacle. And I remember that the ark was not supposed to be carried on a cart. It had rings and poles, and God told them how to build that and how to carry the ark. It was very meticulous to do that. Um, you were to stop every six paces or so. There were to be sacrifices. You were, the high priest was to be a part of that. There was to be dancing before the Lord. Um, and, and, and David sends his men to, to get the Ark of the Covenant, and they, they treat it just like the pagans treated it. That's crazy to me, but I think it's a good lesson for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's uh, it's good that we can see it from on this side of history. We can look back and, and see it as don't treat the things of God the way the pagans would treat the Amen things Amen to that. So I think our theology and practice, our practice and theology should not come from watching our neighbors. Instead, it should come from God's revelation of himself in Scripture for sure. Yeah. So the, the ox that are carrying the cart, one stumbles, and the Ark of the Covenant begins to slide off the cart. And one of David's men, by the name of Uzzah, um, he reaches up, places his hand upon the ark, and it says that the Lord struck him dead. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we look at that, and David was angered, and, and we look at that and say, God, that's not real fair. Um, and, and David makes this statement that is incredible. David is so mad that the ark of the Lord cannot come to him. And and because he's killed him, you know, it's it's a man's dead, and and he doesn't know how he's going to get the Ark of the Covenant there. And he says this statement. He says, how can the Lord come to me? And that's the key for how can a God that is holy, how can he come to us? Okay, so this story demonstrates with crystal clarity that God is holy and apart from sin. And here's a guy who did not take God seriously. And Uzzah may have been a great guy. And listen, when he fell dead, he may have he may have awakened in the kingdom of heaven. You know, and God. It, sure. So, so God is just and fair, no matter what you think of the story. But what the story illustrates for us is that God's also very, very holy. He is set apart and other. If He speaks and tells you how to do a certain thing, for example, how to carry the ark, we should take Him seriously. And so here's a guy who, for a moment, did not take him seriously. And when unholy man touched holy God, um, he he died. He was fully dead. So I'm, I'm following you. David says, how can I bring the ark of the Lord to me? And I told everybody at the beginning of this podcast that holiness is a quality of God's that he allows us to share in. How on earth does a holy God who is set apart from sin and committed to his glory, allow human beings like like you and me to be a part of his holiness? How does he allow us to be set apart? You know, I, I mean, I think we see the progression through Scripture. Right. Um, I, I think we see that God has a plan, that his idea is not for us to, um, to make ourselves holy. Uh, we can't do that through work. We have to do that through a gift that he's going to give us. 
Uh, and we, we see that uh, the only way that we are made holy or righteous is going to be through his son, Jesus. Awesome. So we recognize that in Christ, the righteousness of God was given to us. Like he, he, he cleansed us from sin and allowed us to be committed to the glory of God. We were set apart. We're the saints, which literally means the holy people. Yeah, I love that because in the New Testament, Christians are referred to as saints, and we all know that we're not. <laughs> That's right. Well, I mean, was it, we're we're sinners who have become saints by the grace of Jesus yeah. Christ and Savior. So we're called what we're what we're going to be. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. All right. So the holiness of God is given to us. We are literally called the saints, the holy people, because of the atoning work of Jesus Christ. So here's a God who not only is set apart from sin and committed to His own glory forever and ever, but He invites us into that. Not only does He invite us into that, but he in his own in his in the sacrifice of his son, in his own action, in his own grace, he gives us the means to be holy with him, to share that. Through his sacrifice. That's right. So I want to wrap up with just a little bit of practical theology. I want to make this daily useful for our church family. So as you're listening to the podcast, and I hope that you, like me, are amazed at the holiness of God and to imagine how much greater God is set apart from everything that is common in creation. He is bigger and more majestic than the sunsets that are awe-inspiring. He is He is more monumental and remarkable than all the things he created. He truly is set apart and committed to his glory. And so here's where I want to land, Will. As believers around the globe, we have been taught to pray the Lord's Prayer. Sure. Uh, Will, I go through seasons where I pray the Lord's Prayer daily, um, not just in a rote way, but I use that as a guide for my prayer time. Absolutely. Um, But can you recall the opening line of the Lord's Prayer? Absolutely. Uh, It begins by saying, Our Father which art in heaven, and it uses a term that we rarely use, hallowed. That's the key to understanding God's holiness. Hallowed be your name. That means that his name is above all other names, that he is holy, that he is the one that, he is the one that is truly holy, and that we are to honor his name and recognize His holiness. You know, just a, a simple way to, to be practical, to, to apply this. Um, not to make anybody feel like a legalist or, to, or to, to judge anybody, but you know what? For the for the, In the Ten Commandments, God gave His people um, the third command, which was don't take His name lightly. Why? Because His name was a reflection of His character. And one of the ways He wanted it to be imprinted in the hearts and minds of His people that He was holy and set apart is that we could not even take His name lightly. And I feel like today we're a little bit reckless with that, that uh, we intentionally or accidentally yeah. uh, use God's name or reference to God all the time, um, you know, it just almost as a description or adjective. Or um, and, and, I, and I just want to warn part, us against part that. Part of our vernacular almost. Absolutely. It's a great example. You know, not for anybody just to heap up guilt or to feel sinful— but a great way for you daily to remind yourself that God is set apart and different. And we don't even want to use his name in a way that is light. I wish that every time we said his name or referred to his character, that we could just feel the weight of his name in our in our soul, right? So God is holy. And in the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, we pray, hallowed be thy name. And Will, I want you to know that when I pray that, um, I pray it almost as if it is my first request to God. And, and this is what I mean. When I say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, I'm legitimately asking God to guard my heart so that his name would be holy in my mind and my soul 
all day long, that his name would be set apart from everything else that I'll think about, that he would be my great treasure, that I would recognize how he is set apart from everything I delight in. And I want to encourage our church family and all of our friends, when we engage the Lord in that Lord's Prayer and we begin to say, God, hallowed be your name, that the first thought in our mind is that God, by his spirit, would grant us that we would revere his holiness in our heart. And second, that we would long for the day that his name was holy in all nations that everybody recognize His holiness in His name. And that is a promise that, that God has made us, that his, his name will be vindicated. One day we're moving into the new creation when God's name will be clearly understood. So brothers and sisters, today as we're talking about God, we're just thinking about the holiness of God, that He is bigger and other and different and set apart. And I hope that you enjoy your privilege of being able to participate in that as the saints, the holy people of God, because of the work of Jesus. And so our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name.